0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Hi, I'm Paul Holgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this
1: is Jeremy Ronick. Hi, this is Travis Sennheim. Hi, I'm Joel Faraby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie.
0: Snow the Goalie. Snow
1: the Goalie. Snow 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 the
0: Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, players' podcast, prognosticators' podcast, PDLA podcast, Papers podcast, and baby, we are back. It is a new Philadelphia Flyers season. They start out with a bang, a big old win against those nasty New Jersey Devils. We got positivity. Welcome into the positivity podcast this week. That's right, we're talking hockey. We're breaking down hockey. We're talking about the first game of the season. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined right now by my dear friend, colleague, and a man who is ready to bring some positivity himself, and that, of course, is Chris Terrian Bundy. Follow him on Twitter at cterian6. How are you doing, you butte? I'm doing great, Russ. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a it's a great time to be a Philly sports fan, right? In
1: general, I mean, you got the the Eagles rolling. They got you bring Dallas in on Sunday night. Phillies with the first home playoff game in several years uh, coming up uh, uh, this weekend as well. A couple of them, and then uh, you got the Flyers. There, you know what? They have the same record uh, right now as everyone else is in top tops of the league. So you know what? It's a great start. It was a great start to you. A lot of good things happened last night. A lot of guys really played well. Uh, I know it's been, you know, it's been a summer of, uh, of malcontent, uh, in Philly over what they perceive on this team and what they see. But, and, and again, I don't, I'm not going to go on it. No one's winning the Stanley cup here. And, and, uh, I think pretty people understand that. But, you know, you have to build and you have to find out what you got from some of your young guys, some of your older guys. And I thought last night was uh, – uh, you got a little bit of a myriad of everything last night, Russ, to be quite honest with you. You know, I saw guys play play better than maybe they had not two or three years. Provorov was a guy had a good, solid game from the parts I'd seen. You'll understand what I mean, the parts I've seen when we get into that shortly. Um, of course, the game was on ESPN Plus last night. And as I tweeted, I watched ESPN Plus – for my daughter's basketball games, not for NHL hockey, but uh, anyway, that's the wave of the future, and uh, people will have to adjust to it. And if you tell them anything differently, they get really upset with you about it, and they start telling you, you know, adjust to the times and all that. But um, it was a good night. I, I nothing. I have nothing bad to say about anything last night. I thought it was pretty cool. They brought in Rob Thompson to to bang the bell at the beginning of their or whatever that thing is uh, the, the the big the what, big I, old drum the drum. Yeah, yeah I, I hate that thing, but nice it was drum. a good touch. Yeah, no one's ever heard of that. Like, I don't know who created that, um, but but anyway, it was good. I mean, they brought him in. It was it, it got the building electric. It looked like a late arriving crowd, um, but to mm-hmm. their credit, they had a lot of people there. It, it did arrive late and looked like a pretty good a pretty good crowd for opening night. And the result that everybody wanted, you know, put a lot of the negativity of what what was perceived in the summer through the GM's office, um, personnel issues in every facet uh organizational disruptions that have gone on for far too long it was really really nice to just talk about hockey right now and talk about a good team win on on opening night that is why i came here was to talk about hockey not to turn this into the fucking national inquiry of of the philadelphia flyers but they've done that themselves <laughs> uh and uh you know i just happen to be get caught up in the in the river the streaming river of that over the course of the year but um it was great, Russ. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I listen. I you know, I know we were texting Anthony yesterday and uh, before the game, and you know, he said the crowd uh, seemed good. I got some pictures people sent from the game. It looked like a lot of fun. And 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 again, uh, you know, seeing Kanakny and Frost step up. You know, those are the two guys, the goal scorers that you think you're going to rely on. And I know we'll talk about Frost, but he's a guy that I mentioned to you a couple of days ago and uh, forgot in the last podcast. I have high hopes for Morgan Frost. I'm a Morgan Frost fan, and uh, I think there's something there. And we saw
0: a little bit of it last night. And, you know, before we move on, I, w- I want to point out because there were a lot of people last week, Bundy, you know, who love you um, and some who might not, but who listened to the show and they were like, you know, somebody's got to fix Bundy's mic. This is a problem, you know. Uh, so Bundy, not Bundy's back this week in his home office uh, with his microphone, as you've noticed.
1: See but this little video right here?
0: Too- I love it. Uh, we can't give the listeners too many good things, though. Because now I add to the show, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter, at <laughs> Aunt San Philly, who is, uh, he's in, I think he's in Delco right now. Um, for those who are watching on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, you can see part of Anthony's steering wheel. That, of course, is because Anthony, a sellout, is now going down to uh, cover the Philadelphia Phillies in their first playoff game in 11 years. I know he's very excited. He was at the game last night, so we obviously want to, you know, pick his brain on uh you know how last night's game was uh, with the feeling in the arena and everything. but I'm going to do my darndest here to make sure that I, I mute in and out so that we don't get complaints about the sound of uh, the Delco roads. But Anthony, since you're here and since I don't have you muted, let me ask you right off the bat. you know, Bundy mentioned the fact that it felt like a late arriving crowd, but then it it ended up being a, a relatively substantial crowd from from what we could tell on the telecast and from pictures in the arena, you know, did it, did it kind of exceed expectations it would appear that it might have?
2: Yeah, it, it certainly did guys. Um, and it wasn't that it necessarily was a late arriving crowd Bundy. I may note of this in, in the story I wrote today, um, for crossing broad, the, the fans didn't react to the pregame introductions with, with, with other than a few exceptions, right? I mean, Torts got a really big applause, Guys like Couturier uh, got a big applause. Um, Atkinson, even though they were both injured, but they were, you know, they were introduced and got a big applause. Some of the, you know, Carter Hart, some of the players that were in the game got big applause. Um, but for a lot of guys, it was just silence or polite golf claps, and it's almost like they were sending a message saying, "Yeah, we're still here. We're here, but we're not, you know, gonna gonna let you know that we're here." you know, positively, unless you give us something positive to, 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 cheer about. And then the team went out and did, I mean, they went out and gave them a, a pretty strong game. Um, the one thing I was, I was a little disappointed in the fans um, was the flat out booing of Ryan Ellis when they introduced Ellis. I, like, I get it. I understand the frustration, but guys got a career threatening injury and whether you, you know, I think it happened before he got here, after he got here, whatever the case might have been. I, you know, the guy doesn't want to not play hockey, right? I mean, he wants to play. So to sit there and boo him for being off the ice with an injury, I think that was a little little misguided on the, on the fan base's part. But team-wise, I thought that they played a pretty strong game overall. Um, two things I want to point out and get you guys to kind of talk about. I, I know, I think, Bundy, you might have mentioned it uh already but Provorov D'Angelo looked really good. I mean that might have been Provorov's best game in three years.
1: Yeah, I um, said that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He had two assists. He uh blocked ten
0: shots in one game. On his pro it was twenty-eight well, overall, right? Twenty-eight for the team overall and yeah, nine 10. I believe for uh yeah. for the devils. It's insane. Yeah. Almost a third he,
2: he led the te- he led the team in hits he was – he blocked a shot um, that was going to go into the net. That was uh, – Hart was a little out of position. He made a skate save. Um, Provrov was all over the place. He was sensational. Uh, and D'Angelo looked good next to him, too. So, I mean, the, the, the two of them played really well together. That was one thing I wanted to note. I mean, I know you guys talked about the guys who scored. Obviously, it's important. Connecting he got two goals. Frost got two goals, although one was a an empty netter own goal by the by the Devils. So, that was a cheapie. But um, – the other thing I wanted to mention was I thought it was really curious that of all the players that were on the ice, only one had a letter on their sweater. Scotty Lawton. That was Scott, Scott Lawton was an A. There was no other A's. No Provorov, no Hayes, no one else had a letter except Scott Lawton. And I felt like he came out in the first period. He did take that one – stupid penalty, which he admitted after the game. I, I got a chance to talk to Scotty one-on-one, um, which is the crux of my uh, story that's on Crossing Broad today. Um, but I, I got the sense that Tortorella wanted him to be the guy to kind of set the tempo for the game, to play a little bit with a little bit of what I call piss and vinegar, and really kind of get that going. And I asked both of them about it after the game. And, and Tortorella said – yeah, you know, I want an identity for this team, and I know what I want it to look like, and that's part of it. And so I really found that interesting because Lawton was in the middle of several pushing and shoving scrums with the the Devils. There were no fights, but it was a a little bit nasty, especially in the first period, and Scotty was in the middle of it every time. Really kind of shows you the kind of player he is as a leader, um, and and that Torell really trusts him I think more than anyone else up front, I mean, maybe Atkinson, who knows, because he's out, Um, but maybe trust him more than anyone else up front to kind of be that guy to lead the team.
0: So, Bundy, you know, we we made a a big deal out of this in the offseason because it was one of those episodes that we asked for fan feedback, and one of the most common questions was, who's going to be the captain? You know, does the team go the whole season with that captain? We, We talked about this at length. It's interesting in that, like, Lawton is a third-line guy. You know, oh, yeah. on, a, on a good team, Lawton's a third-line guy. Uh, was much higher in the lineup last night. And we've seen him in the past, you know, break into the top six when the team has struggled. So it's not as if he hasn't done it before. But he's not a guy that you think of as a top-line player. And a lot of times, I think, at least in this city, when you think of the guy who gets the C... In most cases, it's your most talented player. That doesn't necessarily mean that it should be, but it's kind of the way that it, it's been in many seasons. Maybe not the Jason Smith season, but still. When when you saw Lawton take the ice, as the only guy with a letter on his sweater, was that a moment where you said to yourself, "You know what? It's because he's the only one who's made an impression," or is that something where you think this might be indicative of the fact that Atkinson might get an A, Couturier might still be in line for the C? It's just that, you know, they're not healthy right now. And, you know, why would you – why put a a letter on another guy's sweater that you might not want to roll with the rest of the year? Because you could put – there's three A's you can have in a game, right? Mm -hmm. Listen, Torts is also a master
1: of communicating without saying a word. When you make a move like that, you're putting everybody on notice, especially Kevin Hayes, right? Like Kevin Hayes is the older – elder statesman, Um the highest paid forward right now, I guess, guys, with everyone else out of the lineup. So by Uh not giving him an A, you're already kind of telling him without saying, unless you've had a meeting, like, you know, I don't think you're ready uh, or I don't want you in that role. So so with a guy like Lawton, I, I think you kind of hit it a little bit, Russ. Yeah. The guys that were available last night to Torts in game number one of the year, were the ones to him that he saw in training camp that actually warranted an A. It was a message, believe me. The fact that there was no C last night in the lineup, but there was one A when you could have had three, or put someone, you know, give someone like a guy that like Provorov. Maybe Provorov gets an A if he keeps playing like that. But I think that I, was, was an, an initial night thing, I think, where they just said, you know what, Lawton's a guy who's been here, He's gonna, he's earned it, and he's a guy to me that looks like the leader. But, boy, I'll tell you one thing, man. The whispers and some of the stuff that goes through the room with that, it talks. People will talk about it uh, amongst themselves, you know, or they'll think about it in their own head. I promise you that much. So I kind of like the move, but I also admire Scott. Scotty Lawton was one of my favorite guys there when I played. I loved him. As a broadcaster, I had him. Uh, terrific for me and a great guy. And I know, what he stand, I know what he's like on the ice. You know, he's not out yeah. padding guys on the pads between whistles and, hey, how's that, how was your summer on the other team, you know? No, no, he's going to go out and he's going to be distraction or pay me ass. The problem is he's not going to get you 90 points, right, as a captain. Is that a
0: big deal, though? But, Bundy, like, honestly, is that a a big deal, though? I I mean, I'll throw it to you here here in a sec. But, like, Bundy, is it a, a huge deal if the captain isn't that major point producer? Or Uh, if you have a thought on it, go ahead.
1: I think on on a major league elite team, I'll give it to Anthony. I'll just go for a few seconds. I think when you have a super studded team, your best player is a captain. Usually that just kind of works itself out. This is a team in such transition that you're trying to find anything positive right now in the form of leadership because it's been so bad for a long time now. So Torch is trying to take the guys that he likes, implement what he's thinking onto that, that viewpoint. And then let the player run with it, but also has a little bit of his own personality as well. And Lawton does have that; he fits the bill. But yeah, most of the time, a Colorado Avalanche, uh, a Tampa Bay Lightning, you're going to see their top players. Uh, you know, Stamkos first overall. Uh, even Colorado, it, uh, it's it's the, the Swede part. Um, um. Landeskog. Well, uh, Landis Cog, uh, he was a 19-year-old captain, right? He was McKinnon, didn't even exist then. But that's the way it is, and it's worked. But that's how – and I think that's how it goes, Russ. Go ahead, Anthony. Sorry. So,
2: Sorry. So, so, No, no, no problem. So it's interesting that you guys are talking about this because I also brought this up in the story today. Buddy, I want to take you back to your era when Torts had his first team in Tampa Bay. Now, I'm not comparing Scott Lawton career-wise to Dave Andrechuk because Dave Andrew Chuck was a talented offensive player in the late eighties and early nineties. But over the last eight seasons of his career was a third liner. It was just kind of, you know, a veteran third line guy, good depth player to have on your team. And that's who Torts had as his captain when they won the Stanley cup, not Lecavalier, not San Luis, you know, not anybody, not anybody else. And they had a, really good team, a really talented team in Tampa that year. But Andrew Chuck was the captain and not just for that season for a couple of seasons prior. Mm -hmm. Um, and And it makes me wonder if Torts is like kind of looking back at that and saying, if we're going to build around, build this team from the ashes back up, is that the kind of leader that I want out there? Because he will definitely be a lead by example player. And he's pretty vocal in the room. I mean, he's a pretty vocal guy. He's a respected guy. Second longest tenured player behind Couturier in Philly. Um, so maybe that there's a lot, to, believe it or not, Scott Long, he's 28 years old. This is his 10th NHL season, right? I mean, it's amazing to think that he's been in the league that long, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, you, there's a time you get to that point, maybe towards just looking at it and saying, okay, he's not going to be a 90 point player. Like Andrew Chuck was in the, in the early nineties with the devils, whatever. Um, uh, that was a different era too. He's, he's more like the Andrew Chuck that was 32, 33 years old later, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands, when he would score 35 to 40 points in a season, but was still considered a really good captain.
1: Yeah. And, and one, and one thing too, with, with Scotty, right, uh, Anthony, we've seen it before too. He's a guy. And again, one of my favorites, and I've, I've, I've been guilty of it as well. Um, he does disappear for spurts as well. He mm-hmm. has in the past, where you're watching for 20 games, you're like, it's Scotty Lawton played? Not that he's been bad, but he's just not at the forefront of every conversation. Last night he was, and I think that's why Tort saw something in him, guys, uh, to elevate him into that sole leadership role. If Essentially, right now, if you're asked John Tortorell who's the leader of your team, it's Scotty Lawton. Right now, he's the only guy that wore a letter last night in that game. That's top of the food chain on the ice right now, and they won the game five to two.
0: Good start. so bunny if we if we go back to the off season, he was one of the guys that we had talked about as being a potential candidate for the captaincy. Is there a path here? Um, you know, say, say is at another few games um, it, is like there a path to Lawton getting named the captain this season? like could we be? a month away of, of him being like this on ice leader and, and Tortorella maybe says, you know what, like this guy's done so much, not only through camp, not only through off season workouts, he's demonstrated it on the ice and in games. And you know what, like we're taking that a, we're popping a C on, on the sweater. Like, is there a chance?
1: Well, you know what he's going to, and I think Anthony will see this as well too, but you, it's, he's going to have to do it for more than five or eight games. He's probably going to have to do it for 40. I mean, if he's doing that for 40 games and all of a sudden this team, which we'll, we can get to after. I, I, I'm not I'm not taking last night's win and trying to spin it into this grandiose thing. It was a good win over a not Another really that much improved Devils team, to be honest with you. I thought there'd be more there. There wasn't. Um, but I, I, it has to start somewhere. Maybe 40 games, and then he gets a look at Couturier and Atkinson. I don't think you can make that move, Anthony, without having a fair shake at Coots, right?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And, exactly. and I don't think he'll do anything before you give Sean Couturier at least a year. So, Russ, to answer your question and just silence the, the, everything, I do not think there will be a captain on this
2: team this year.
0: I do not believe that. I agree, Russ, I agree with Bundy, yeah. And so if that's the case, do we assume that Couturier will probably get an A and then maybe Atkinson gets the other A when they're both back and healthy? Or, or, or we can or at least probably
1: – or Provorov play. Provorov might only have to play like that for 20 or 30 games and then find himself back on it. You know, also, it's funny, you know, how guys pick it up, too. You know, uh, you know, uh, Sandheim signs his contract before the game. I guarantee you, Provorov's like, man, I, you know what? He's not to be making more than me now. I got to go have a great game. You know, sometimes guys think of that stuff, too, in and of the spot. So... Listen, whatever the hell he ate or did before the game yesterday, Proveroff needs to keep that going. And if the John Tortorella effect is indeed working for him, which it hadn't the last two or three years, then so be it. You know, I mean, he's they got a lot of money wrapped up in three defensemen, and he's one of them, and he needs to play, and he needs to be better.
0: You know, we Porto talked defense. about it last
1: week. about the but, you, know,
0: now, so. yeah. you know, last, last week we talked about uh, Cam York and about how, you know, you and I weren't exactly in agreement, but there was – there was one thread here that I think kind of ties these, th- these two things together, the idea of sending a kid down to see how he reacts. And I, I don't know how much I think that's a, a thing now. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but for a vet and for a guy who has had a, a letter on his sweater in the past to not have it, as you said, it, it, it does send a big message. I'm sure that we've all heard similar things about certain guys in this locker room that have been here for multiple years. There are, certain what's the nice way to put this like there there are certain elements to each of these guys away from the ice um and maybe even on it that you know you it it raises an eyebrow from time to time and you kind of wonder if maybe a a letter was given to a guy too soon you wonder if it maybe goes to their head not saying that's what happened here with Provorov, uh you know having it in the past but it certainly, at least through one game, looks like the message was received. And rather than recoiling and kind of you know cr- you know curling into the fetal position, he came out and he played like a bat out of hell. Um, let's twist this a little bit. Let's you know play the spin game here a bit. A lot of people were upset about Tony D'Angelo being brought in in the off season, and uh, some say you know who cares. I just care about the the team on the ice. I only care about the on-ice product. I don't give a shit about any of the other stuff. I don't care for somebody. You know, Some people, it, it's the, the total opposite. They genuinely care about all the things that have been said, all the things that have been done, et cetera, et cetera. D'Angelo looks like a guy who conceptually should play well with Provorov and could potentially stabilize Provorov the best that anybody's done since Niskanen. And maybe you can say that D'Angelo's dynamicness on the offensive end is kind of like an upgraded version of what they had hoped they would get out of like a Shane Gostisbehere pairing with Provorov. I know one game is just a very small sample size, but are you guys encouraged by D'Angelo's play and what it presumably has done? At least in the early going for getting Provorov to bounce back, I'm going to throw it to Ant first, who was, uh, you know, down there checking this game out.
2: Well, it was interesting because we talked a little bit about that last night, and um, you know, the one thing, and Bunny, Bunny can probably address this even better, you know, watching it. Uh, they made a lot of small little plays that you don't really notice, right? But like little passes here and there that I felt were really good as far as breaking out of the zone. Um and Tony, like the one thing about him, he was the one guy, and you know, Schwartz mentions mentioned this too in, in conversation. Said the one thing that he was not happy with last night was the team really is still gun shy about going up the middle of the ice. Um but that Tony has no problem with it. He says he's he's gonna go, he's gonna gamble a little bit. So
0: uh-oh uh-oh there we go there's our first cutout of the uh the episode we'll get back to ant in a second oh wait i think he's back i don't know if his sound is back we'll uh we'll see here i don't think he's got sound right now uh maybe we'll no but i'll I'll pick up from where he's at though go ahead and if we hear him he could
1: jump on but i know what he's talking about getting into the middle of the ice you know if you can play uh a 200 foot game between the hash marks and 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 make that's where life becomes miserable on the other team, and, and that's why a guy like I'm just thinking even forwards like D'Angelo does uh, middle of ice is fine. I'll let Anthony pick it back up, but that's what he's saying it makes it makes life yeah. on the other team harder when you can play between the hash marks.
2: Right, and that's the thing. Like he's you know it's you know he said Torts said look he's going to make a couple mistakes going up the middle. that are going to end up in the back of our net. He said, but I'd rather that over the course of a year than just not going there because we'll never generate any offense if we're keeping everything to the outside, right? So he said it's going going up the middle is where you pressure the other team, and Tony's not afraid to go there. So you have that combination of those two together. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it can work. I mean, um, I'm a little surprised because, again, one game against the Devils, yeah. who are well, not I'm, the I'm, greatest. I'm, but at I'm the same not time, sure. I liked yeah. what I saw for one game. I, I,
1: Last night, I agree with you. I just don't know. Like, to me, it's a pair that you almost – like, for example, Gostis Bear, and Provorov were awful together.
0: Right. Like, they had. Was... They did have – they had a good run early, and then it all fell apart. They, so they, did, I think it was like a 20-game stretch when they initially were paired up that was good, and then it was bad, and they, and they got broken up. Put, and you couldn't put them together after a while. Yeah. Like, you literally yeah. couldn't. So
1: uh, you said something interesting, like D'Angelo stabilizing Proveroff. I First of all, I don't think D'Angelo's ever stabilized anybody. He's so – he's not. He's not a stabilizing type of player. He's erratic and eccentric and different, like making plays up the middle, making kind of quirky, crazy offensive plays sometimes. Um, that can be annoying to play with, you know, like when, you, when you're a guy. So for Provorov, you also don't want him trying to read – what mistake might happen in the zone with D'Angelo. D'Angelo's got a long way to go, guys, just so you know, to prove to people, not just us or me, but are also around the league, that he can actually play in his own zone. That's been the the, the, the the book out on him, is worthy struggle in his own zone. You know, his level of getting stick down, body position. And that's, you know, I mean, most people have hampered on. I'm sure if you ask Brendan Moore, that's what he would have liked to see more of last year. But it was last year with Jacob Slavin, who stabilized D'Angelo? So I'm wondering if it's the other way around. Almost, where Provorov is kind of the guy who is uh, is as it can be a calming type presence, getting the puck out, penalty killing. You know, he plays in every situation. Maybe that's a guy. Maybe it's just so messy that it actually does
0: work out somehow. Could be. Um, hey, we we uh, we entered the season um, seeing Zamula. And adder, both on the opening night roster. There has been a move uh, made today on Friday. Adder sent down to the Phantoms. Jackson Cates recalled could be related to uh, the injury to Owen Tippett. That remains to be seen. I don't think they've made an actual announcement about anything in terms of a, an update on Tippett's status. Um, at this point, you know, we we look back. We say that like, hey, the top four was solidified prior to the season. Then you see a guy like Travis Sanheim, who I think like at different points over the last few years, we've said like in stretches has been the team's best defenseman, for better or worse. He signs a, an eight-year contract. Um, let's, let's get to that really quick. So Sanheim decides to sign this long-term deal, more than $6 million per year. Um, this comes after Ristolainen was extended a few months ago apparently Ristolainen and Sandheim liked playing together. Now they're both locked up here for multiple years. Um, what was your initial reaction? I guess I'll start with with Ant, your initial reaction to that deal. It It is a big contract and it kind of goes without saying. But another big money deal for a long term issued by a potentially lame duck GM. Your thoughts? <laughs>
2: yeah I, mean, I was a little bit surprised by the term um I'm not surprised by the money I mean when you really look at it, we keep talking about this about okay your number three or number four defensemen are making around five 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 and a half so your number three defensemen are gonna probably make around six so we got 6.2 per year uh, over over eight years which is. That's the thing that was a little bit of a surprise to me, because you've really now locked in three defensemen long term. I mean, D'Angelo's only two years, but if you if he ends up being what you think he's going to be, you're probably going to try and sign him beyond that. And you know, of course, he likes he's going to want to play here because it's his hometown. Um, and if he's successful, that'll be a reason to stay. Um, so you're really made a commitment to your defense here. I mean, all told, you've signed these top four guys for 131 million dollars, um, an average of 23. I think next year, I think I, I think next year you're paying 23 million to your top four defensemen, none of which have ever made an All-Star team. So it, it's kind of a, a curious way of looking at it, a curious approach, but at the same time, there's a potential for it to work. So in other words, this could either be really smart or it could be a total disaster. I don't think that there's a middle ground, right? I think that it's it ends up either working out really well. Sandheim becomes a player that is very reliable, that he could be here for those eight years and you you know you love having him on the roster. If that's the case by years five, six seven eight at six point two five million, he's a bargain, right? At the on those on those back end. Or this doesn't work out the Sandheimers to line and pair ends up being sporadic um, uh, and erratic um, and you know you have to move on eventually from one of these guys or try and trade somebody now you got to try and move a contract and then it ends up being a disaster right so so I, I don't think that there's there's an okay middle ground I think it's either I think they swung for the fence and they hope that the they, they hope the wind's blowing out and that's really what it what it is um, with this. So it it could work, but it could also just as easily blow up in their face. I don't. I don't
1: one of those like guys is going to get moved eventually. So yeah, it's to Line in or somebody. I mean, it, it's it's almost impossible to keep that kind of salary like with three guys. And and that's the one problem I have is like there's no you know like this these would be the kind of money if it was 2010 all over again. This is what you'd be paying Duncan Keith and Brendan uh, and Seabrook in Chicago right seriously that's what they just paid guys that had already won like two stanley cups this kind of money so that's the only issue i have And the term is too long way too long i only look at the first four years of the deal and that's it and and i agree with Anthony. the money that's what the money is now even though if i were his agent i might have told him to hold out a little bit more they're paying guys like you know seth jones nine million dollars and that's what those numbers are going crazily up so actually from that standpoint money-wise it's probably not a
0: bad deal terms too long I See, and, like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm nuts, guys, but, like, I I kind of disagree with Ant's premise of, like, black and white on this one, that it's either going to be great or horrible. Like, I feel like Ristolainen was was much more likely to, to go one way or the other. I feel like the the likely scenario here is that, like, the Sandheim deal is, like, middle of the road to, to good. I don't think that he's going to fall off. Like, I, I think that he's, like, he sh- he's demonstrated over enough time here, enough growth as a player and enough consistency as a player that he's not going to be like a bottom out, you know, wrist alignment there's just so much variance in his play and, and it can be so erratic uh, that like, I think there was like a, a reason that people were justified to feel one way or the other about that contract. But like as a young, youngish defenseman, I think Sandheim's fine. The thing that, I, that I think kind of maybe skews things a bit and, and probably in the flyers favor, in fairness, I agree that the term is long the AAV is not that bad because as we talked about back in the wrist alignment, you know, deal, the cap's going to go up. And in three years, what it's going to take to have a, you know, a a second pair defenseman. I mean, this is going to be a bargain. I mean, unless his play totally falls off, he sustains, you know, some kind of horrific injury or something like, I think Sandheim's actually going to, the value on this deal is actually. Okay. The eight years is kind of crazy. But you know, so the the GM who gives all kinds of stuff. By the way, um, you know we mentioned at the top of the show, Frost gets two goals. One's an empty netter. Um, Bundy, I, I know that you didn't get to see uh the entire game, uh, for something that we'll talk about here in a second. What but a joke that Frost, was. Frost, Frost is a guy who has had confidence issues in the past. Uh, as a guy who hasn't maybe lived up to the billing that I think maybe was unfairly put on him. How big can it be for a young player who's looking to get his feet under him the right way with a new coach to go out and pot one goal that we could say like, Hey, that's that, that was legit. And a second one, that's kind of like a nice little confidence boost. Like could this finally be the thing that puts Morgan Frost on the right path? Yeah. I've I've been a Morgan Frost fan since he came in and I just, you know, saw
1: a little, uh, the way he, um, the way he can handle tight spaces down low, he got that shot off quick on the first goal that he got in the game, uh, an empty netter later. But, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes a guy's first game in a year can really set the tone for himself. And I I think that there is a little bit, I think they're going to find offense in with Morgan Frost that they're going to be surprised at. And, I, and I'll be honest with you guys, if I were coaching this team or the manager of it three years ago, I would have said, play this guy. Uh, play him in every situation when he first came up his first game remember he had to, I think he had a, a couple points there we played with Giroux he did a nice little slip around it was in Carolina I remember I have a crazy memory for games like that but uh I do remember him playing in it and he, he got a nice goal made a nice little assist as well um and and you know what and, and I thought like I'm like okay this guy's a good junior player um you know what just give him a chance to play and I think finally they're gonna just kind of lay off him here. And, and give him that opportunity. But I think they're going to be surprised. I, re- I really do think there's something there with him uh, that he's going to find an offensive flair and be an offensive producer in, in this league. Uh, you know, I, I go back a long, long time ago, and I said, I you know, I, I remember I, when Drew came and I saw him play for 10 games. I said, when on Glenn Macnow's show, I said, this guy's going to be a top five player in the league in within three, couple of years. And he was, he ended up being that. And, and I'm not, I don't want to go that far to say Morgan Frost is going to be that player in Drew, but he's going to be good. I, I I really think he's going to be good if if Torts kind of you know lays off him a little bit, lets him play, understands there's going to be mistakes, but you know understanding as well that this is a team that doesn't have a lot of offense. It really does not. It scored some goals last night, but they're going to need him and they're going to need like a guy like Konechny scoring goals as well. But to me, Frost is the most intriguing forward on this hockey team from an offensive standpoint because I
0: really do believe there's something there. You just touched on two things, uh, and what a perfect segue. Look at you. Uh, You mentioned the guy by name, but you also mentioned the not being afraid to make mistakes. And so that leads us to a friend of the program, Travis Konechny, who has caught fans' ire over the past few years for not taking that next step. You know, chirps a lot, disappears for long stretches of the season. Um, The the message that he seemed to come out with when Emily Kaplan interviewed him at the end of the game, uh, the clip that the team shared, uh, when he got the the Phillies jersey, like the Flyers Phillies jersey with the bat, was, you know, it, we're going to make mistakes. They're going to happen. It's how you bounce back from them. It's how you react to them. It seems like that is something that a player like Connectney wouldn't be saying publicly unless it had kind of been instilled and maybe that bar and that expectation were set by the head coach. Um, it almost makes me feel like they're going to give Morgan Frost an opportunity that they're not going to try to shelter him and that they're not going to dissuade him from making those kind of elite level plays that I think a lot of people expected of him when he got to this level. Um, and you know, when, when you've had the the chance, I guess, to interact with Tortorella and some of these guys and last night, when you look at it, do you feel like this is maybe the most advantageous position for young players? If the coach is in fact, you know, kind of harping on them that, you know, mistakes are going to happen, but, you, you know, it's how you bounce back that matters more. It's not going to maybe be like the, the short leash, the the short pull off the stage.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Bundy can, can talk to this too because, I mean, he's been there and he's experienced it. Um, I always, I, I, you know, how many times have we talked to players who maybe were young players here and didn't get along with the coach or thought the coach was too hard on them or made their life miserable. And then they go somewhere else and they have some success. And then once they had that success, they look back on it and say, yeah, man, that, that coach was really the difference. I mean, I made me the player that I ended up becoming today. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's just the kind of co- kind of coaching I needed at that time to kind of get me where I am. So maybe, maybe that, yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible that these guys, you know, kind of, buy into Tortorella a little bit and, 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 and instead of it being a negative where it's like, Oh, he's pushing too hard or, Oh, it's, you know, this, I don't get along with this coach. Maybe it's like, yeah, he's hard. Yeah. He's tough, but yeah, he's fair. And Mm -hmm. this is how, this is how I'm going to play my best hockey. And I think that that's a possibility with a lot of these guys. I mean, if you look, you know, through that lineup last night and when they had so many guys I know everyone wants to say under 25, and I think that's a that's a kind of a misleading number because if you if you come into the league at 18 or 19, you're a seven-year vet by the time you're 25. Um, I think 23 is kind of a little bit better of a number to kind of gauge it at because uh, guys come in between 21 and 23. Um, but anyway, when you look at that lineup, there's a lot of young players, unheralded. I thought, you know, we can we didn't even really talk. We're not gonna. There's not a lot to talk about with guys like. Tanner Lashinsky and Noah Cates. Noah Cates played the third most minutes of any forward last night. I think it was really good. And Tanner Lashinsky had a really good really good game as well. was a little bit all over the place uh, on the ice and making things happen. Um, you know, when you see that and then you add in the Frost and two goals for Frost and Wade Allison gets the first goal of the season and, um, you know, young players contributing – and not looking out of place, I think that that's a that's a benefit for them, you know, to have a coach who's going to be a little bit harder because they'll they'll re, they'll respond. I think within that structure, saying you know what, we're able to succeed doing what this guy's asking us to do, and if that's going to keep us in the NHL, then I, then we'll be willing to play that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. As long, as long as he's done fairly, right. If the guy gives you a chance, but he told you one thing and he, and he treats the situation as fairly
0: as he talked to you about it, then I'm all right with it. Yeah. You know, I, I guess one, one good thing that we have to look forward to here. And like I I tweeted this last night and some people got really upset about it, but it's like, you know, you're, you're, you beat the devils. And there are a lot of people who are, you know, over the moon about, you know, what, what a, what a great win it was for the team. And, you know, are the Flyers actually better than everybody thought? And it's like, let's see where we're at in two weeks. But if there's, like, one positive you can take out of this, uh, it, it has to be, as you guys said, the the young guys don't look out of place. And so as you kind of project forward, there might not be, you know, an 85-point a season in this team. But if they hold to form, if they implement this system well, if they follow the the principles of the coaching, you know, the coaches and, and the system – and even if the results aren't there, but they can keep their heads high, they're still producing goals, they're still, you know, playing within their abilities, you know, maybe the season isn't as much of a waste or a wash as it felt. I mean, it could very well go down, and, and this could be like a 10-win team. This could be like a, tw- you know, 15-win team. We don't know. You know, it, it really depends on a lot of things. But if they hold form and they continue to, you know, find positives and stay confident, I don't know, like maybe this season – they build their confidence. They get these important reps at the NHL level. Maybe this isn't as long of a turnaround as we had previously thought. Maybe if you do end up with a, a solid pick this year, like maybe there is a path that some of these guys really do exceed expectations this year. It's not enough to make them a playoff team. I, I don't know. Like maybe this isn't as bad. I can't believe I'm saying it. Maybe it's not as bad as we thought. And Is there a is there reason for positivity here?
2: There's reason for positivity, Russ, but let's hold your horses. It's one game. Um, you know, I, I think you know. You look. look i look, positivity I just look
0: at, today, buddy. All well, no, but positivity. I look at that.
2: No, but I'm looking at this. You look at this. Just look at what gonna, they got coming up. All right, Vancouver. I mean, can they beat Vancouver? Sure, they could beat Vancouver. But Vancouver's coming off blowing a three-game, a three-goal lead in their opener. Okay, and they're part yeah. of a five-game road trip here. So they're going to come in here with a, a little a little butt hurt and they're gonna be a little bit pissed off okay after the way that 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 ended um, so they're, they're not gonna be an easy task then you gotta go on the road and you got to play Tampa and Florida on back-to-back nights one of those you're gonna to have to put Urson in all right rookie goal who's never played in the NHL he's, he's gonna get baptism by fire um, and then they play is it Carolina that ends the trip before they come home? Uh, I forget. I forget. I forget who the last game is of the three-game trip. Um, and then, but then they come home, and, and the schedule does not getting much easier get here. It's Nashville, Nashville, Nashville,
0: Nashville.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then they come home, and I think there's a couple of tough games at home after that, right?
0: San Jose, Florida, Carolina. Then they're okay, back Carolina's on the road for Rangers, Rangers, Maple yeah. Leafs. Then former yeah, I captain mean, Giroux. Like it, I mean, it becomes a murderer's row. Yeah, you know. but it starts to get I'm tough. Saying, there's, a yeah, of, there's a couple.
2: There's a couple of e- couple of easier games in there, but but for the most part, it's a it's a tough road to hoe. You know, if they come through this and they're somehow lingering around 500, getting through those 10, 12 games, then you sit there and say, yeah, there's some positives. Positives to really take out of this. Maybe they are a little bit better than we thought. But if not, I, you know, that doesn't mean that there can't be positives along the way, and the team still not be not have a good record
0: there's one thing that I think we can probably hang on to here. And I think Bundy's the one who said it in the off season, you bring in a new coach, especially one like Tortorella, who's going to put you through hell in training camp. It's entirely possible that they don't win these games, but they're very competitive through the first 10 because their conditioning far exceeds that of other teams. Like, especially those that, you know, are top tier teams and maybe, you know, don't take the conditioning as seriously at the very beginning of the year. Like, Maybe they do look competitive, and then the wheels fall off. But hey, you know what, guys? I'm going to stick to the positivity here. I think it's nice to see the team go out and win. It's good to see people and Flyers fans who went out to that game to see them have a positive night because, truth be told, there haven't been that many positive nights the last few seasons, and it remains to be seen how many there will be this year. But it was nice. Like There was something nice about that that warm, fuzzy feeling you get, seeing people enjoy the return of hockey, and then let's see where the chips fall where they may. Anything else you guys wanted to touch on from the game? No, it was a good win, except, uh, yeah, the game,
1: I have one more thing to say. ESPN yep. Plus sucks, all right? I don't know what else you want me to say. It sucked. My screen kept going. That little thing kept spinning around and around and freezing. It was it was awful. Like, if you're going to have a streaming service, and I, I, mean, I have Comcast. I have the, the regular, you know, um, internet. It was awful. What an awful viewing experience!
0: That's it. You know what? You know what I use instead? Because I have the same issues with ESPN Plus, and I have gigabit speed internet, so there's no reason that I should have an issue. I end up going through the Hulu app, uh, and you can you can link the two together. Now I don't know if you have to have a Hulu membership. I did like the Disney bundle because I don't know, I'm an I'm an idiot. But I I went through the Hulu app and I had no issues. Because you have 12 kids. Get, yeah, that's right. Uh, a oh, oh, a third of that. Well, a quarter of that. Soon to be a third of that. But anyway. I I looked at it and I went, you know, the ESPN Plus app, same thing, Bundy, kept crapping out. I switched over to the Hulu app and I had no issues. I don't know if it's an ESPN Plus not being able to like the server load. Like I have no idea, but I have run into those same issues and I'm as much of a techie as anybody else. Uh, And so I don't, I don't know why there were so many issues with the, even the quality, the the video quality on Hulu was superior to ESPN Plus. You make one mistake with a remote too, you're
1: booted off, and you got to go back in again and wait for it's It's awful. Yep. It's terrible. If you're gonna do something, do it right. Don't do it yep. half speed. Like you know, make sure it's work. I hate that. It's awful. Anyway, game two and next, I, and I know. It.
0: I know we have to to go here. You've got to go run in and cover the Phillies, and I, I believe there's gonna be something going on with you and uh, big bet Bob Wankel uh, over somewhere. Uh, with the, the Phillies coverage, probably going to do an episode across Up. You might do a live stream. All depends on when people listen to this show, if they can be queued off about that. But anyway, I think you and Bob are going to crush the Phillies coverage here. Let's hope that the Phillies win today. I'm going to the game on Saturday, taking taking the family, um, trying to make memories here with the kids while they're little. The tickets that I bought were 60 bucks through the team uh, right after they won against the Cardinals. And now those same seats uh, on secondary market, same section, are going for over two hundred dollars. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, do I sell them? I need advice, guys. Do I sell the tickets? Do I just tell the kids uh, that's going to go towards other stuff, or do I take them? I think I take them. Have to take them, right?
2: You take them. You take All them, right, Russ. Sorry. I mean, really, I mean, you're, you're, it's less than a thousand dollars, right? That you're going to make. If you take the kids. If you, if, if they're, you know, if they're the- going, if they were going for five hundred a ticket. I can think different. about it at that point. Right. But well, I it'll, it'll
0: all depend on how tonight goes. It depends on how this afternoon's game goes. If they win, who knows oh, yeah. how high those tickets us <laughs> yeah. yeah. But before we go in, um, we need to touch on this very briefly. You wrote a, uh, an article yesterday, um, uh-huh. uh, an amendment to the lawsuit filed by uh, Jim McCrossin and Sal Rafa against the Flyers um, alleging uh, berating interaction with Flyers head coach, John Tortorella, uh, you included in that story, uh, an email that went back and forth between Chuck Fletcher and, uh, Jim across honestly, kind of shocking. Uh, I think to a lot of the public, um, you're, I just wanted to kind of get from you real quick here. Like, is this a thing that you think is going to like fundamentally change things? Like, is, is this something that like, is just like another unforced error? Like, where do you kind of land on this one?
2: Um first let me let me just make sure that we put this caveat out so that nobody gets sued. These aren't just allegations at this point. All right, everything that is that even what I've written has is alleged. Um there is no 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 confirmation it's in the headline. that Yes, it's a, it's an allegation. Um where do I think it goes? I think that it I think it becomes just another um black mark on Comcast um that that they would take these steps if in fact the allegations are true that they would take these steps to make the 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 jim mcrosson's life miserable while he's there just because he filed a lawsuit because he felt that they were negligent in designing the building that caused him to get cancer it's a very petty approach if, in fact, these allegations that he, alleges,
0: that he alleges caused cancer. Let's add alleges in there as well.
2: Yes, yes. We well, really well he, does uh,
0: gonna, he, he does have no, cancer. He does have oh, cancer. But he, but I'm saying, yeah.
2: yeah. He's alleging that he got it from from the poor design of the building, which allowed the uh, um, carcinogens, uh, carcinogens to get into his system through the Zamboni tunnel, uh, which is right next yeah. to the training room. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a black mark. In, in that regard. What does it do further? Um, I think it keeps the story out in the open. I think it keeps people aware of what's happening. I think people want to know more, and I think more will come out. I guess the, the, the real question that I have here is, how long does Comcast play the game of chicken with the law firm that's representing Jimmy and Sal? Because Klein Specter. Is the top law firm in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They don't mess around. They're not going to just sit here and settle for something that's not what those gentlemen deserve. And so the question will be: Does Comcast finally just say enough bu- bad publicity is enough bad publicity? Just do a settlement, pay them an uh, you know an exorbitant sum of money to cover their medical expenses. And just it's over with, and it goes away, um, or does Comcast dig in their heels and say that they want to fight this? Because I think if they do that, you're you're really looking at a, a, a really dramatic and and unprecedented. Like I, I I don't know. I think that there's a lot because I think that there's a lot of people around the world who probably. Are keeping an eye on this because they maybe have had similar situations in their experiences with mm-hmm. Zambonis or hockey rinks. Because it's not like it's just
0: Voorhees' uh, machine. That, not the company, to be clear. Yes, we are also yeah. we are legally protecting ourselves. We are not attacking the Zamboni company. The ice cutting, right. whatever the hell, ice, ice cutting machine. Sorry. Yes, um, just for the sake. Uh, of you... Yeah,
2: it's not just. It's not just. Flyer, Skate Zone, and Voorhees that did this. There's, there's barns all over the world that probably have had the same problem. And this is the first time it's really just coming to light. So I think it would be fascinating if it got to the trial phase. I'm still not convinced that it does. I think Comcast ultimately settles. I'm not sure why they've let it go on as long as they have. I'm not sure why they, they had you know, this amended complaint for 48 hours and weren't prepared to provide a better statement than they did yesterday. Um, the one thing that I will say that really bothers me the most is, you know, when the first claim, you remember guys, when the first story came out, when we wrote it back in April, the response from the legal team uh, for Comcast was that these claims were without merit. Mm-hmm. They amended this yesterday, or two days ago, and talked about Tortorella berating uh, Jim McCrossen, that alleging that the company influenced the Flyers to mistreat him, to try and trick him, to do all these nefarious things. And they did not in any way deny it. They did not in any way say it was without merit this time. This would have been an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like the first one was the one where they probably should have been a little bit more understanding
0: of the the situation.
2: And that this is the one where you come out and say it's without merit. The fact that they didn't say it was without merit tells me that they know it happened. And if you know it happened, and this went through human resources, which – we know it. We know it did go through human resources, and nothing was done. There is a Comcast code of ethics that we all, anybody who ever worked there, Bundy. I'm sure you had to sign it. I had to sign it when I worked there. When we all worked there, there is a Comcast code of ethics you have to follow. And if 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 they in fact are now admitting that they knew this took place, and nothing was done about it, then something has to something has to happen somewhere. Somebody. Along the chain of command, has to, has to, has to lose a lose a job for this. I don't know who you want to put it on. I don't know where. If you want to start at the top with, with um, you know, well, I mean, you know, we start at the top with Dave Scott. I would say for Comcast Spectrum, Comcast Corporate, um, and, and say somewhere along the chain from him on down, to when it got to Tortorella, somebody knew that this was taking place and let it happen or instructed for it to happen and let it happen. Assuming again, assuming the allegations are correct, but they could have denied it yesterday and didn't. And that's where I sit there and say, wow, wow. How do you not, And if you're not denying it, why isn't something being done?
1: You know, fascinating story Anthony put out. I mean, it really is. The thing with Jimmy too. I mean, you have to know Jimmy. uh, you know, I worked with him for so many years, as many guys have. I mean, he's got to be one of the most mild-mannered people you'd ever uh, want to be around. Like, just as yeah. kind of person as, as you could ever imagine, you know, uh, has the time for everybody, speaks in a very docile type of, uh, of tone. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, nastiness out of him. So, I mean, again, it's just, I, found, I found the story just absolutely incredible. Uh,
2: really, and, and, I'll say, and I'll say this, too. One more thing. And this is why I was a little bit surprised with the whole Twitterella thing. Because anyone that I've ever talked to in hockey who's been around John as a coach has had nothing but good things to say about him as a person, how he treats his people, his staff, and everything. It's always been good. Yes, we've seen the fiery John Tortorella in the the media. We've seen him be tough on players. We've seen him scream his head off at referees. So we do know that that, you know, it's Italian blood right we you know Russ we could talk about that it's it's there it comes out every once in a while but that in general the man is a is a good person who is good to his people it surprises me that if this in fact this did happen that he would do this to someone who he does not know upon the first couple times actually meeting him yeah like that's where it's, it's that's where it's like you know I, I, there's a disconnect for me yeah. somewhere.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think you know, it's my first year. Like it's strange. And I mean, yeah. I mean my like read I said, on it is. Two decent people involved by what the accounts we're hearing. Yeah. And just, it's
0: just this very, very odd, fascinating kind of story. If this thing happened that has been alleged and not denied by the team, um, just to be clear, if this did happen, it almost makes me feel like. Um, it's almost like somebody trying to ingratiate themselves to a new job to like a new position almost as if like well if we don't want this person in this role or we don't want this person to do xyz and nobody else is going to do it well then i guess i will and i don't know if that's what happened again these are all just like we're just pondering here we're just putting it but like, if, if it's me, my thought would be the the person who probably should have handled this would have been the guy in charge of hockey ops because he would well, I mean, he would you're, probably you're right. be the, the the one. And especially because of the email, like, talking about changing roles, like, one would assume that he would be the one. So I don't even know why the coach would be interacting with him so, in a way that could be alleged to be belittling. There's no reason for it. Why would you be so, moving into another role? He has nothing to do with your... You know, on so here's so, whatever, you know.
2: So here go go with me here for a second, Russ. So mm-hmm. the thing is is that the allegations according to the according to the complaint are that Comcast Spectacor influenced the Flyers hockey operations department to treat Jim this way. Okay. So they're saying their their allegation is is that it was spectacore people who dictated this, okay? So, again, that's Dave, that's Dave Scott and his group. If, in fact, that's the case, and again, we're, these are all allegations, and it goes to Chuck Fletcher, Chuck Fletcher now has an option. Either he does what his boss tells him to do, which he doesn't want to do, or he, or he pushes back a little bit and says you know No, that's not how I operate my team. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do that to somebody, you know? I, so the fact then, what ends up happening is because, you know, if it came from, if it came from Dave's group and it went to got to Tortorella, there had to be messengers along the way. It didn't, Dave Scott didn't call John went <laughs> to a meeting and say go yell at Jim McCrossing. That didn't happen. Okay, so there were there were people along the way who whispered down the lane, whispered down the lane, exactly, <laughs> Passed it along. And and it's it worries me that they would keep passing it along. They would keep passing the buck rather than someone saying, "Wait a minute, is this the right thing to do to this man?" Even if you, even if, even if Chuck felt, and you read, we all read his email. It was in the story. Even if Chuck felt that Jim McCrossin was responsible for the injuries of the last several years, which you could argue is, is a ridiculous statement, since athletic trainers only treat injuries, they don't train players, they don't nice. clear players. Um, so it's it's ridiculous enough and of itself. But even if Chuck's naive enough to believe that. And put it on Jim McCrossin. That, and that's fine. That doesn't mean you don't have a human relationship with a man. And it doesn't mean that you don't look at it and say, do we really want to bully a guy? Is that, what's, is that what we're being asked to do? At some point, you have to stand up and say no. But nobody did. And it gets to Tortorella, who's the bottom of the chain, I, I would assume. I mean, unless Torterello is going to pass it off to somebody else, but who the hell else can you pass it off to when you're when you're the coach? And it's like, all right, and he did it. So like I, I'm surprised by so many people accepting this. And then the coach doing it. Like all through the every step surprises me. Because I think that there could have been probably 5 or 6 people along the way who could have said, "Wait a second. Is this what we hello, guys? Let's 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 pump the brakes. Is this what we really want to do? And no one did that, not one person did that. And that's what that's where I'm I'm
0: lost. Unless the coach went rogue, it's the only you know, it's the only But then, if that's the case, a rogue
1: rogue agent, Ross, yeah, what I'm saying.
0: But like, if, if the coach went rogue, then like one would also assume that there probably would have been some kind of disciplinary thing you know because like yeah. conceptually especially if you're the if you're the flyers or if you're spectacore you go holy shit dude! you just put us in a legal quagmire like you just made this worse dude like uh sorry about you but we got to figure something out here um all right <laughs> I, I feel like we, we probably touched on this about as well as we can yeah, uh, again oh, go, ahead, about, go ahead buddy real quick yeah.
1: uh two weeks boys it's coming out there it is oh yes so i gotta get you guys a couple copies oh. um
0: Wrong one. There we go. I,
1: I had I've actually kind of reread it. I did it like a uh, a, a clean read when we had to send before the printers, but uh, it is it comes out Road to Redemption. It's a great great story, guys. In many ways, I had a chance to reread it again. A lot of chapters this week. It, what's good with it is it really kind of tells the, t- the story a little bit of the story from my side and maybe some others of the nineties teams in the early two thousands, but also my plight against addiction and alcohol, uh, the struggles I had and coming out the other end. So it had, what started off is very much a hockey book. I think became a, a personal venture story and, and really truly one of redemption. So, looking forward to it, October twenty fifth. As I said to people on Facebook and, and other social medias, I have three hundred books. I will be selling and, and uh, getting uh, these copies off signed copies. If you want one, and I will mail them back to you guys, and I'll provide uh,
2: methods of payment as well. So you know, you know what else? You know what else, Bundy? Yeah. Do you have do you have do you have it? Do you have it as an audio book
1: for it, people bundy- like Russ? Yeah, it is, yeah. Russ just—it's um, actually funny. One of my, <laughs> one of my Ice Warriors. Actually, the guy, you'll cool, hear okay. this, uh, Dean Mayrand, who won the first Ice Wars in 2006. He, he, you know, he's one of our judges now, and he says, yeah. him, "Hey Bundy, I love one of your books." He goes, "I, I, I definitely want to have it," and he goes, um, uh, "But, but do you have it in an audio book." And he says, "Next in parentheses, yes, I can read." He goes, but "I try." Okay. <laughs> I drive a lot, so I, I prefer the audiobook book, and, uh, and, and I'm sure that applies to Russ as well. Yes, Russ, it's coming in an audio um, an book, and the, uh, apparently the guy they got doing it has been pretty prevalent before doing a lot of these, so people will be familiar with his
0: voice. Great. As the person who speaks the most <laughs> languages on this podcast, I am offended that San <laughs> Filippo would call me illiterate. Okay? I, I, I wasn't way, calling you illiterate.
2: Like... No, I was not <laughs> a mention to call you illiterate. No, oh, okay. and, and you know what that is, it's a generational thing. Because people like me, we read books. We hold the book in our hands.
0: Uh-huh. We read it. Oh, your
2: generation okay. likes likes the Kindle. Your generation likes the audiobook. The kin-
0: no, no, buddy, right? buddy. Buddy. No, no. Your generation likes the Kindle. You want somebody right, to read extra, it to you. with you the guys, extra big letters.
1: You're a soft small yeah, You know, I'm right? sorry.
0: I'm sorry that you know listen, <laughs> my generation listen my it. generation's you know, got saddle. Hold on. Hold on. Whoa, whoa. Well, my generation's gotten saddled with uh crippling student loan debt, a recession, maybe two, uh freaking covid, a lot of shit, okay? If if we and, and you know what else buddy? Trauma, we'll, we'll if we just want somebody to read us a bedtime story, you can make an audiobook.
2: Yes. I'll, I'll read the he'll, he'll listen to it. He listen to it on two he'll listen That's to it on crazy. two times speed.
0: Smallest
1: violin right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> two times <laughs> speed too, right Russ?
1: Yeah. Two and a half. <laughs>
2: Two and a half. Two and a half, I, two, two and a half times. Have you ever tried that, Bundy? Have you ever tried listening to somebody speak at two and a half times speed on a on like a podcast or something? No. Two, you can change. Like you could listen to our show if you wanted to, on two and a half times speed. So two and a half times faster than we actually talk. <laughs> it's completely. Uh, 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 I can't.
0: Unin- unintelligible is what you're going to say. Unintelligible.
2: Yes. It's. Un- yeah. I was going to say illegible, but that would be writing. It's completely unintelligible and. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Russ does it, but Russ listens to shows on 25 times speed.
0: I will say that this show is hard to listen to on 25 times speed. It is. We sometimes talk quickly. <laughs> Russ, I talk I, pretty quickly. Can I
1: admit something to you really quick?
0: I watch Netflix you never... on 1.5 speed sometimes. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Do you really? Really? I do, yeah. I can't imagine cutting corners on a
2: TV show.
1: No, some of them. I mean, some of them are just like, I watched this Polish show the other day on the water rising in a town. It was pretty good. But I had okay. the 1.5 that baby.
2: Okay. Interesting. Yeah, watch Interesting. Since we're admitting things.
1: It's called uh, High Water. It's a Netflix, like, top 10 right now. i watched all six uh, episodes in 1.5 people. Since, 1. 5 feet.
2: since <laughs> we're admitting things, does anybody watch it with captions on? <laughs> I do. What, I watch with captions, captions? Oh, almost everything. Shows? Everything. Oh, yeah, almost, for sure. Unless it's live. I don't watch keep your, it live.
1: Keep your, it's good for your head too. Keeps your brain moving and everything with captions. I watch captions with everything.
2: Yeah. I get to the, the, the only time I won't use captions is if it's live or if it's dubbed.
0: Oh yeah. That that is a real thing. By the way, yeah. that you guys might notice this sometimes. It doesn't happen as much on Netflix in English, but like sometimes the the captions don't prop, like don't line up with the uh, the exact words that are being said on screen. Right,
2: drives me nuts.
0: I, I will tell you, watching a show in Spanish or in German, but especially Spanish, the captions are so far off from what the Spanish audio is, like massively different. So. Yeah, good for rough. you guys. You know, like Spanish, Spanish but for, you know.
1: Don't You actually look like a bar Spanish bartender in a Hemingway novel right now, somewhere, Russ. <laughs> 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 Gracias, <senor>. Gracias. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I think that's probably a good place to end uh, this show. Listen, we brought positivity, and I'm going to promise people from now on, okay? Well, at least at least this week, maybe next week, we are going to bring positivity to this podcast feed. Uh, we are going to break down these games. We're going to cover the stories off the ice. But you know, as Bundy said off the top of the show. The goal has always been, even since Bundy's come on, is to talk about the team. And we're gonna break down this damn team, all right? Come hell or high water, we're gonna give the best analysis on this team, on the On Ice product. Are we going to venture off into some of the other things? Yes, because they are worth discussing. But the primary focus of the show, pretty much since its inception, has been to talk about this team, and we will do that. Anthony, I saw you put your hand up as you get ready to go into a Phillies game. What did you have to say?
2: I didn't put my hand out. I was putting putting something oh. away in my bag. Oh, okay. So, All no. right. I so agree with talked? you. I'll po- positivity, as long as, it's, as long as there's something positive to talk about.
0: We're going to try.
2: On, we, like a, we, on a 10-game losing streak. We ain't finding much positive to talk about.
0: Unless unless the young guys are still performing well and the results just aren't there. We'll see. You know what we didn't even mention, guys? And we're going to leave. Carter Hart had a pretty solid game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, there were, there were plenty of numbers and stats that we could have thrown at people to show that like maybe last night wasn't sustainable over a long period. But Carter Hart, we have to give him a shout, had a really solid game. And if there are two things that could stop this team from being a bottom five team, it's fear of John Tortorella and Carter Hart's play in net. We'll see how it goes. Until next week or until some other story breaks, this has been Snow the Goal of the OnlyFlyers podcast. Follow us. On Twitter at SnowTheGoalie, Instagram at SnowTheGoalie, Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. You can watch all the episodes of this podcast on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. Uh, there is a playlist set up specifically for SnowTheGoalie. You can bookmark that. You can go to SnowTheGoalie.com to find all this stuff. You can follow Bundy on Twitter at 6 and on Twitter at AnsanPhilly as he brings the camera close to his face. <laughs> I well, I'm to out with the damn it. Thanks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week here on Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast.